and welcome. My name is Ollie Peer, and with me is professional man from Birmingham, Tim Warwood. Professional man? What? It is. You're fulfilling the regional quota. And this is the Apray Podcast, the audio equivalent of having a mountain covered in fresh pow all to yourself. Here's on what. <laughs> That'll get you. That's karma, that is. Here's what's on the show today. Jamie Nichols takes us through his personal highs and lows on the slopes. We'll tell you why the Brits just can't stop winning. And how, just three episodes in, our Making Tracks playlist is ruined forever. That's all to come. Ah, it's been another bluebird day. Not a cloud in the sky. The sun is dipping once more, doing that thing where it makes the mountain go orange and that. And here we are, in our log cabin podcast studio. The fire roaring like a lion in a Joe Exotic themed prison. Our post-ride beers fizzing in our partially intoxicated brains. And it's that time for us to update you on some bits and bobs from the week. So, you know, we spoke last week about the success of Charlotte Banks at the World Championships. She was the British girl that won the World Championship gold in the border cross. Well, Brits just left, right and centre, a smashing it. And it's only happened again, hasn't it? Because another Brit has stormed to the top of the podium. And this time it's Cody Bramble, right, has gone and bagged himself the gold medal, the top spot at the first stop of the Free Ride World Tour in Andorra with an absolute jaw-dropping run in, let's face it, less than favourable conditions. It was absolutely low tide at Snow Bay. There were rocks jumping through. And in fact, they I don't know if you saw over the Alps a couple of weeks ago, they had a sandstorm, a huge sandstorm that came through and it coated um, a lot of the Southern Alps with this, um, with sand, orange sand. People were skiing on orange snow. Anyway, we'll save, we'll save that story for another time. But anyway, the remnants of that were down in Andorra there in the Pyrenees as well. And so the snow was bad. It looked brown. It looked horrible. But yeah. Cody Brammel, right, the 26-year-old, he's never bettered anything other than a fourth place on the Free Ride World Tour before. Stomps a mega, huge backflip right at the top of his run and then sails down to first place. How it, amazing I mean, it, is that? It is amazing, isn't it? Because it, it really did look manky, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that course, it was like... Oh, it was just horrible. And I mean, it looked like a dry slope. It looked like a, an extreme downhill mountain version of dry slope snowboarding. Yeah, and this isn't to take anything away from uh, you know any kind of free riding where it's beautiful power and they're doing amazing jumps and stuff. I but think this I, makes it even more gnarly. Yeah. It makes it even more dangerous. If you get it wrong, there's no soft landing there. And he just went for it. It, it was big, wasn't it? Really big, yeah, really big, really nice. But, of course, it sets it up for an amazing finale. Um, just three stops on the Free Ride World Tour. First one was Andorra. FIBA Brune is coming up very shortly. And then the season ends with the showstopper on the Beck de Ross, the infamous face right there in Verbier in Switzerland. And it's all available to watch for free online. Get yourself to freerideworldtour.com to watch all that action unfold. So what else is going on, Tim? Should all competitive women halfpipe snowboarders just give up no why well do you know chloe kim of course i know chloe kim she is the olympic champion in yes. women's snowboard halfpipe she's unstoppable frankly um or, she, or at least she was she hung up the bib 
didn't she? She won the Olympics easily. Mm. Um, and then she said, you know what? Bit easy, this snowboarding. I want to I want to test myself. So she headed off to school. She went back to college or university, Princeton, to be precise. Oh, fancy. Uh, Ivy posh. League. So she's had two years off. She hung up the snowboard boots and she said, I'm going to go and study because I, I think that's what all Americans do. They like to have something in their back pocket, don't they? But she came out of semi-retirement or just pretty much got back into snowboarding at the Lax Open actually at the end of January and uh, subsequently then went on to the X Games and she smashed them both. I mean, it was as though she'd never had a day off her snowboard. She absolutely wiped the floor with the competition. She had two years off to let all the other girls catch up and then she just comes out and, and destroys it. And if you just look at the level of her snowboarding it is frankly phenomenal she's dragging women snowboarding half pipe snowboarding anyway kicking and screaming and it's a joy to watch actually but I do feel a little bit sorry for all the other competitors they've got their work cut out if they're going to catch her up for the Olympics which of course are happening just next year how, how difficult is that though like if you go two years I'm assuming she did some training in that time she can't have just like given it up completely but you're, not, you're definitely not the intensity you would be if you were preparing for an Olympics or whatever. How difficult is it to go from this sort of low-key training schedule where everybody else is like training their ass off and then going into a, a competition and then to win it? Exactly. It's very difficult because it's not just... It's, it's not like a, a little game of tennis with your mate that then all of a sudden you just up the intensity and the hits get a bit harder... It, this is competitive snowboarding and that first contest back was under the lights it was night time up at the top of lax they pull out the floodlights the temperature drops to way below freezing the half pipe is absolutely bulletproof i mean it is rock hard you cannot make any mistakes or you will get snapped clean in half and then to have the mental strength to drop in and go, I am doing the best run ever. I'm going to do the biggest tricks ever, better than any of the other girls here. I mean, frankly, I just think it's absolutely phenomenal. And 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 she did it. You know, she she's she's back. Chloe Kim is back. Someone forgot to buy fabric softener. My Spartal was mm. scratchy today. And I specifically asked you to get the... Who's that? I'm going to leave... No, don't laugh. I'll leave you on that. And you can think about why you didn't buy the fabric softener while I go and open the door to this fictitious log cabin. I know why I didn't get it. That's the actual reason. And it's to do with towel absorbency. And I'm not going to go into the detail. But it's true. Who's there? Um, it's Jamie. Jamie who? Ja- <laughs> Jamie Nichols. <laughs> Oh, it's Jamie Nichols, everybody! Woohoo! I'm really. Can I come in? I'm really cold. Oh, yeah, sorry, do come in. Grab a glue vine, sit down, relax, (laughs) put your feet up, the fire's going. It's lovely in here, it's very, very nice. Listen, before you make yourself at home, take your boots off, I'm going to tell everybody all about you. Now, I said Jamie flipping nipples. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that kind of show! Mate, it's cold. It's what the cold does. You've, know, you've known me for 20 yeah. years and you just call me Jamie Nipples. Now, Jamie here, um, flipping nickels. Yeah. Uh, and I say flipping because this is a man that loves to flip. He enjoys being upside down like 
one of them springy things that goes down the stairs. Uh, you know, Jamie was the first British male to win a World Cup event, and before that, he reached the Slope Style Finals in Sochi at the Olympics, finishing sixth on a huge course against the very best riders in the world. Um, no mean feat for a man who grew up riding artificial Dendex snow up there in Halifax. He's bagged himself three FIS medals, and if that wasn't enough, he's only gone and built a slope in his back garden. <laughs> it's Jamie Nichols, everybody! Yeah, Jamie! Uh, actually, actually, can we start on that, right? Um, can you tell... Because you've been sharing all this stuff on Instagram. Tell us about this slope that you've built in your back garden in... Hang on. Guildford? <laughs> yeah, I actually... Um, Built well. The first one I built was in lockdown one, and that was with a few pallets and some astroturf. Um, and I was very limited to what I could actually do on some astroturf, which was it was quite difficult. I don't know if you've ever ridden astroturf. It's like the weirdest. You can't even put an edge in. It's weird. So basically, after that one went, and I was like, oh yeah, winter's going to be fine. We're going to be back to it. I can actually go to the mountains. Um, and yeah, that didn't happen. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I had to build. I had to build another one in the um, back garden. But I thought I'd take it in another, you know, another step better and do it off yeah. the gym roof. Hang on, it's really impressive. It is impressive, but you also just said off the gym roof. But that looks like a shed to me. Yeah, which I actually built with my own hands. Like no builder came and helped me. I actually constructed this, you know, gym. You know, with my bare hands and a few tools that I've acquired over some time. Well, Basically, it's worth my dad's noting, tools. It is worth noting that, you know, Jamie is an incredible uh, snowboarder, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But also, it's worth noting that from absolutely nowhere, he's become a dad, and actually, he's well good at wielding a hammer. You should see the. He's built bathrooms and kitchens. Oh, you should see his Instagram. It's ridiculous. Come round and do mine. I'm rubbish at bathrooms and stuff. How's uh, how's it being a dad? Are you enjoying dad life? I don't. It's hard work. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> it's really di- like I'm not even good. No one, no like none of my friends, not even my sister, told me how hard this would be. I've just got to say, like, the, it's been incredible. Like, it's been a good little journey that I've been, you know, we've been on and stuff. And the whole lockdown projects and stuff like that kind of did it because it got me out of changing nappies. So that was the real reason, basically, of doing all the bathrooms <laughs> and the kitchens. And it just basically got me out of doing all that stuff. So I, I really did come on, like, since having a baby, like, doing the house and the DIY work. I've done loads. Surprising, actually, how much you can get done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've done all of that, and then you have built this uh, sort of run in your yeah. your back garden as well. But I also saw you're releasing an edit as well on it. So, I mean, how how's that going down in the in the household with the family? It's like, come on, you just gallivanting in the garden, riding, making videos, <laughs> getting here and change some nappies. I call it work. I actually took a massive beating today, though. I actually filmed all morning, and then I had to take the ramp down. So basically, what's happened is, and you'll think my life is completely mental, but I built this ramp, this whole upgrade to this ramp today, which was like a quarter pipe, um, loads of different adjustments to the ramp, all for this morning. And then I took it down all this afternoon, so there is no ramp in my back garden anymore. And that ramp is being... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and that ramp is being moved to a friend's place, which has like lots of land. 
um, and it's going to get even more mental. I think I might order another 40 mats and make an actual rope tote and a lift and everything raised off the ground. <laughs> I mean, you got any plans to sort of get out to some snow or go out riding like in the in the in the next few months or a year or so? I like riding my back garden now. It's really convenient. I mean, you don't have to go on a plane, <laughs> you don't have to travel. I can literally get out of my bed, go out of my back door, the kitchen, and ride off the gym roof. So I don't really... I think I'm just going to spend the rest of my professional career doing that. Done with mountains. I'm just going to I'm just gonna ride off a shed with a bit ride of drain pipe shed. in my back garden. They're so overrated, the mountains. I'm telling you, so overrated. You much you prefer. But you know what, right? I'm going to get a bit serious now. I'm going to ask you a serious question. You, I, I met you when you were tiny. I think you were probably six or seven is when we first met, and you were just getting into snowboard contests. I was there commentating at those contests. You very quickly came through the ranks. Dry slope contests every summer. You soon started winning them. Then the British team. I mean, it's been a huge journey for you, snowboard-wise, that you've been on. Um, it, it kind of ended with the Olympics. I would. In, in a competitive sense, you know that that was the last big major. That was like the pinnacle. I mean, it was for everybody. Yeah, it was. The, it was. It was the pinnacle. You did brilliantly. You represented the country. I can't talk highly enough of your riding and your skills and all that. But you must really still love snowboarding. To build a dry slope ramp off your garden shed roof, you must really still love it. And and I'm really intrigued as to how you can still love it so much when you did it so much I mean you absolutely lived and breathed yeah. snowboarding for probably close to 20 years <laughs> snowboarding I don't know I'd say a good 300 days of the year and yet here you are still snowboarding off your shed roof I mean I'd I'd do anything to go snowboard I mean it's pretty I love it that much and it's funny you say like the Olympics is like the pinnacle and stuff but in all honestly like I, I never I just kind of was on that path like kind of went down one of those roads that I kind of didn't really feel like I naturally like should have been on in a way like it just kind of happened I like went on the British team and kind of things just started developing going to contests and stuff but really I got into snowboarding not because of that I didn't really want to take I didn't really I did had no desires to go to the Olympics I just wanted to film and that and still and today there is no better feeling than getting a new trick down, filming it, or in the street, or in your back garden off your gym roof. I just feel like that is way better than anything else I've ever done in snowboarding, to be honest. Even better than the Olympics, sometimes, the feeling yeah. of just wow. getting stoked. Like, I, I just love it. Like, riding down my hill with one centimetres of snow on, riding past dogs, people, dog walkers, and thinking what is this guy doing and stuff and you explain you just having a good chat and you know it's what I do I just love riding and even if there's one centimetres of snow and I've just trashed my whole board but the whole kind of I just like that that part of snowboarding way more than the contest side to be honest I'm getting older <laughs> as well so I'm 27 now and by the time another Olympics comes around I'm 28 and I'm thinking you know I'm I want to start filming I want to work on my YouTube channel I want to build that I want to bring out edits and do more Hemel runs, stuff like that. So that's kind of um, the direction I'm going now, which I feel so happy about. Like, I've not been this happy in so long. I, I, I can't even tell you, like, the whole lead up to Pyeongchang, I was just not happy. I was not in a good way. My mental, my headspace, I was doing really bad. I was super down and depressed and stuff with stuff like that, like all kinds of stuff. And now I just feel 
alive again. I love it. That's just what I did. Well, mate, love, you I know? think it's fair to say that you've been there, you've done it, and you did really well. And like I said in the intro, you know, sixth place at the Olympics on that huge course. I mean, how did that even happen? Very, very best. It, you know, I did a trick that I'd never even loose. tried it's before. <laughs> Looking at that as an outsider, you know, it looked to me like you guys were having the time of your life. It just looked like so much fun. And I thought, man, I just want to be there. I want to be with these people and I want to experience all of that. So what was it? That's the beauty of like social media and things like that is it shows all the good bits but you don't see all the stuff behind closed doors where the pressures and the financial situation like I mean for snowboarders to go to an Olympics it's a very costly thing and UK sport is very good and they do you know but it it barely I mean if you've got a house and you're paying a mortgage and you're paying bills at home that's bet that covers pretty much that and then what do you have you have your sponsors to try and get you around the world and it costs a lot of money and the thing is you got that kind of pressure on you you've got results pressure and you've got all this going on and it's it's just all happening in your head and stuff and it's just i don't know it kind of it feels really sad to say but like sochi the lead up to sochi was never about it wasn't like it is now like it was we, I, I barely qualified for Sochi, by the way. So, like, it was with the skin of my teeth because at the last few events, I decided that oh, I want to go, and I didn't really take much notice of it. I was, you know, doing Nike projects, I was doing lots of filming and stuff, and I was really enjoying it. And I was like, look, like I'm just gonna try and do it. So the last three events happened on the lead up to Sochi. I, I managed to scrape in and qualify, really like un, <laughs> unorganized. Um, and then I did the Olympics and stuff, and it was amazing. Like, got a huge buzz off it, kind of threw my name out there to like, kind of a little, like more than it had, like more than it had, you know, previously. Obviously, because it's the Olympics. And then after that was when it just went. So it just went like a sharp, like nosedive, like down. Like I just felt rubbish. I felt like my creativity when I was riding had gone. Like I really felt just didn't feel creative anymore. Um, I did four, like four years where I just felt like I didn't know what to do with my with myself in my snowboard career. As far as I was really struggling, I was like, do I do another Olympics and do I not? And it basically, if anything, it kind of ruined four years of my snowboard career. I feel like because I spent, I just focused everything onto that and. I kind of do, I don't know why it's like almost if you're with a manipulative girlfriend and everybody outside is telling you it's not good for you and then and you can't see it and it took me a while to see it, it took me till after Pyeongchang to see it and I know from everybody seeing it from the outside it looks amazing but really it's you, it's not that great I mean you stood at the top of a course in Quebec it's icy and it's minus 20 like why would you want to be there I don't <laughs> like, like you're in Russia and you like it's too cold to run the lifts but we'll just make you hike up it's fine and you can you know stand at the top freezing and your face is literally like ice and you you're there like having to perform triple cocks it's like nah like after the last layer I'm done <laughs> this is not for me anymore so that's why I walked away not only for you know myself and because I wanted to do other stuff but for my mental health too I just it wasn't right for me and I, I couldn't I just no, couldn't cope with it to be honest but you're in a good place now in a good place now yeah but I mean Jen's 
mate, like my wife Jen's just been incredible because she's actually like been with me on those massive highs and huge lows and helped me get back up and yeah, you know, taught me to you know believe in myself and just do what follow your heart and do what you enjoy the most, whether it earns you money or not. Just go out and enjoy it. So that's what I decided to do and. You know, snowboarding's not in a good way anyways. Um, there's not really budget being flown around and sponsors like they were in the Nike days. Um, I mean, they were the good days. Um, but it's different <laughs> now. <laughs> it's totally different. It's so great to hear that you're, you know, you're doing well now. You know, we all have our like ups and downs and stuff. But... Exactly. And it's, I just, I'm not really a person that's that open about, I don't really tell. And this is the problem, isn't it? It's like, if you're not open and you don't talk to people about stuff like, these low points is you know god forbid anything happens but you don't like it's falling in that trap and not speaking and obviously i think now and i've lost you know i've lost friends as well who have not reached out and i thought they were absolutely okay like snow friends that don't snowboard but friends like and it's it's hard man like you definitely it's good to speak out and i I believe you know i try and do a lot now like in supporting people and just even if I haven't heard from someone in so long and just reach out and ask if they're okay because I think it's important. Well, Absolutely. let's see if we can continue to put the smile on your face, Jamie Nichols. Do you think we should take <laughs> him on a run, Tim? I think that's a great idea. Let's go to the lift. Come on. The chairlift, Jamie, the natural dangling home of Natter. There's nothing else to do up here but telltales and weave yarns. It's an aerial confessional, a chance to offload with some good friends and a stunning view so uh come on jamie anything troubled you on your wintry travels oh i've got one actually on a chairlift it was one of those ones in lax I, I, I don't know if you've ever ridden down to falera i know you if you've you guys have ridden down to falera loads of times right and there's that chairlift and you put your boards in the side of the chairlift don't you we'd like going up this lift and like loads of things had been going wrong and basically what had happened is this big gust of wind came and ripped all our snowboards out of the lift and they flew off down the mountain somewhere and literally <laughs> and like we were both we were just like well they've gone <laughs> they're not coming back what are we gonna do guys so we had to like we had to get to the top and we had to we explained to lift you like look right we've we've come up we had snowboards when we set off and we got to the top and now have no snowboards. So what do you do? And he came out with a sledge. No, he did not. <laughs> yeah, he, came out, he didn't even offer to help. He came out with a sledge. He was like, you'll be fine. Just get down on this um, and we'll try and look for it tomorrow. And I was like, you're joking, right? I'm going to find my snowboard now. So I like <laughs> got to the bit where I think it went off the lift. You know, like when you're on a mountain, it's just a complete whiteout. And you're thinking, nah, like fuck that like this is not happening today so I like got on my sledge going down falling all over the place get on the flat bit I'm like this is just a joke like Jen's crashed into me a million times like this is just a nightmare and we get to the bottom all the buses have stopped running and I need to get back to Flims right so then we set off walking (laughs) and then we got finally got back after hours and hours what felt like days walking and, and it was, yeah, it was not a... No board? No board. Literally, we, we'd only just got on the mountain as well. So that was it. We didn't even get to snowboard. We got to the top and that we got sledges. But 
the best thing about it was the next day I found the boards and they were dug right so I I like used a pylon as like a note like I think I think they've landed around there and I was like I took a pole with me and started stabbing in the ground and I was like oh, I've hit something and they and I managed to find both snowboards and they were so deep under the snow I had to like dig them like they were really deep like I'm not even joking like what's deep meters a meter deep? Six feet. Snow. Snow Six can be feet. deep. So, that, so you found, you managed to go and find the snowboards the next day? The next day, I found oh, the snowboards. I was, it was, because after such a horrible day, like horrible day, and we were both really like yeah. gutted, like we, you know, I was, I was in bits just from walking for miles. And then, you get, yeah, get back, I get back, get up the ne- next day. I'm like, bro, I'm going to go, go on a mission to find these snowballs and found them literally within the first 30 minutes. So I was really lucky. Really lucky. It so. is the worst feeling in the world, though, isn't it? When your ball yeah. goes sliding down the hill and you just look around going, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> It's horrible, it's and it happened to me once where I I was I was like I was with Pip, my other half, and we were sort of like straddling down. It was weird where we were staying. We were doing a season in Merrybell, and where our accommodation was was just like slightly down the hill. And rather than sort of like asking about and getting to the bottom of the chairlift and then like having to get a bus down or whatever, you sort of cut off this piece and then you sort of slightly shimmy down. Anyway, it got a bit weird and a bit ropey. So I, I just took my board off. I said to Pip, just take your skis off. She was skiing. And I, without even thinking, I put my board down. We were in this middle of this sort of slightly residential area <laughs> and it just fucking went... <laughs> And it was gone. I just looked around. I was like, oh, Christ, you know, this is annoying. You're a seasonaire. You've got hardly any money. You don't like literally nothing. And the one thing that you value more than anything in the world, apart from your beloved partner that's standing next to you, is that board going down the hill. So anyway, I went after that and it ended up, I did find it relatively quickly. And it was, this is horrible. It was off a slight cliff and it was next to a sewage runoff. Right, and it was down the bottom, and I looked down, and there was used sanitary products all over my board, and I still picked it up, and I still got it home, and damn it, I was not going to let that ball get away. It's so funny. Why did you leave your board down, like base down? Who does oh, no, that? I, no, 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 it, 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 no, no, nobody does that. No, yeah, no, no. it was nothing like that. It was a, no, 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 no. Get no. this guy a, a leash. Stab in the snow job. <laughs> no, it was a stab in the snow job, and then I just turned around and left it, and it just went so and long, went. Suckers. So long, yeah. <laughs> That's so. It's annoying though. It's brutal, isn't it, when that happens? But I mean, there's many tales to tell on the chairlift. I mean, when does this chairlift get to the top? Well, Jamie, as it happens, we are at the top. Now, we know that you know how to make your way down slope style with a glint in your eye while checking the weather on your iPhone 12, but can you do it while we drag your brain through perhaps the most challenging course of its life? Yes, because we have a slope style course for you right here, ready to ride. Yeah, sure, it's familiar in quite a few ways. Rails, kickers, there's even a crowd all chanting your name. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. However, what's new here? We've got some challenging questions for you to answer on your way down. And the theme this time is Nutella. Yes, 
Nutella, your favourite spread, according to Wikipedia. Get one wrong and it's torn ligaments and x-rays for you. Get them right and the crowd will cheer. The judges will gawp and you'll go down in APRE podcast history as the guest from episode three. Are you ready? I'm dropping in, I'm ready. In your own time, go. Question one. How many football pitches could you spread with all of the Nutella sold in a year? Thousand. He's only got it, got it right. It's a thousand. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, it's even the, that. It is the it's, first rail perfectly. Slides with it right between his legs. 450 out. Look at that. It's beautiful. 10 out of 10. What? I can't quite believe that. Question, question two. As an avid Nutella scoffer, how many hazelnuts are there in a jar of the stuff? 100. It's 52. Oh, he's hit the first jump. He's flailed through the air and always come up short. He's knuckled. Question three. In what month is World Nutella Day? February. He's only got it it right. Oh, yes. It's the triple cork. It's the 5th of February. No, it's not. It was. It was February. I shit shit you not. I have not got a phone near me. (laughs) Question four. Now, listen carefully. Ferrero, the company behind Nutella, also own other well-known brands. Which of these don't they own Ferrero Rocher Tic Tacs Bira Moretti Bira Moretti thing whatever you said <laughs> correct it is is it Bira Moretti yes Man, I am it is I own Tic Tacs he hits the fourth jump sails through the air it's a work of art it looks like a Picasso and he's put it down perfectly into the final obstacle here he goes it's question five. How many kilos of Nutella does the average... <laughs> How many kilos... You've been hanging out yeah, with me too <laughs> long. <laughs> How many kilos <laughs> of Nutella... How many kilos of Nutella does the average... How many kilos of Nutella does the average French person eat in a year? 30. He's miles off. He's had a stinker there. It's one kilo. Well, all eyes, including the crowds, Jamie's, his mom and dad, his wife, his daughter, all look to the judges' scorecards, and they say... Jamie Nichols, three out of five. That's good. Like, that's right. more than half, because half would be 2.5. Um, it's also worth noting that was on uh, a Nutella specialised subject. So, uh, well done, Jamie Nichols. We, we could have gone Do you Yorkshire really like too. Nutella that much? It, it says it on your wiki. All right, I, I, I actually, I need to, I can't actually, be, that first question, a thousand football pitches, like, to sp- a thousand. Yeah, it's, e- it's either a thousand football pitches or eight Great Walls of China, but I thought a thousand pu- football pitches was easier to get. Also, I know that this is probably something for a different kind of podcast, but how thick are they spreading this, Nutella? Shut up. Just general <laughs> Nutella spreadage. Okay, there's no like, I'm not going into millimetres, I'm not going into centimetres. It's just Nutella and it's just on bread and it's the equivalent of like, it's just a thousand football t- pitches of that. Okay. Yeah, but a good right. s- How thick do you spread it, JB? A good s- Do you know what? A good spreadage. Is spreadage. <laughs> a good spreadage has to be. Is spreadage even. Is that even a word? Spreadage. It is now. It is now. I think a good spreadage would probably be about five mil because. You can't have like this when the sun comes down and shines on the football pitch. You, you've got to be able, you can't see because you can, once it's two mil, you could probably see the football pitch still. So it has to the be grass. at least double that because grass grows, doesn't it? I thought you were just talking about on toast. toast. Oh, no, I'm talking about the football pitch because that was the question. That was the, <laughs> the question in the in the run.
Now then, Jamie, this is the part of the podcast we like to call Making Tracks. We fired up our Apre jukebox and now it's down to you to punch in the codes to pull out your three tracks, which will be forever immortalised in our Ultimate Mountain playlist, available on Spotify. So, Jamie, you've arrived at the chairlift, you've uh, gone through the weird gate thing, you've got your glove caught on there, it's dropped on the floor, you've picked it back up. Anyway, you're on the chairlift, uh, you sit down, you pull that weird thing down, and you're getting ready to listen to a song to get you to the top. What is the song? Do you know something? This song always got me amped, and it actually got me amped before I did my first triple cock. It's probably Metallica Enter Sandman. I don't listen to music, actually, when I'm snowboarding, because I like to hear the sounds of my boards and people around me and stuff like that. But all the way from the car park in Hintertux all the way to the top basically I knew all the words by the time I got to the top and I got to the top and I was like I was raring to go like rare, like I was so amped I didn't even warm up so I'd skipped warm up yeah and then went straight into it checked speed check did all that and clicked enter Sandman to listen to again it's like right I'm ready and then I just yeah sent it and landed it and then I played the same song right before I lost my virginity <laughs> okay well you're at the you're at the top you're angry or amped whatever we want to say and uh you need you need a, a track to ride down now you've already said that you don't listen to music while riding so let's imagine that this is your track for your your edit your bit in a film what is it oh my god this is a sick song right i was listening to this song i, I was listening to it the other day and i was like this song would be sick in an edit but it'd just get copyrighted because i wouldn't be able to afford to use it in an edit so anyways it's called rasputin it came out in 1978 so yeah a long time before i was alive but yeah that 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 song i was like that'd be sick to like a fast-paced kind of choppy changey kind of edit in the back garden so bony M for your bony M for your edit. It's time for a bit of at prey. Uh, you're going to go up to the um, to the DJ. He's he's just thumping out some Euro pop. You don't want of course that. He is. You don't want that. You want something different. What are you asking for? Probably some Euro pop. <laughs> That's what you go to an at prey for, right? In fact, I was listening to um, I listen to this kind of music when I'm in the gym. You know, like techno kind of music. Pump it. Oh, there's actually a song called Pump It Up. Do you know the one? Pump it up. That one. That is sick, because everybody starts, like, pumping, don't they? Like, jumping on the tables, pumping it up. Now, you are fully aware, Jamie, that this this song gets immortalised forever on our Making Tracks playlist on Spotify, and you think of probably just ruined the rating of that playlist (laughs) somewhat by adding Pump It Up to the end of it. You've, like, absolutely destroyed Vic Hope's choice. I mean, I think that was a good track, don't you? I think Tim's made himself very clear. Well, that's about all we've got time for, unfortunately, Jamie, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. I mean, I'm amazed. This is my second podcast I've ever done, and I, I love doing it. So thank you for having me. We've been here, there and everywhere with the chat, but I will say that uh, we're really proud of you, dude, and thank you very much. Uh, Jamie Nichols, everybody. Jamie Nichols. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Woo! <laughs> so that's it. 
That's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, hey, hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Go uh, on. He's a nice chap, isn't he? He's a nice he chap. Is. How, do we, how do we find out what he's doing online? He is at Jamie Nichols UK on the socials. And I tell you what, it, he's very prolific when it comes to the old Instagram. And don't expect too much natural snowboarding, but you will get a lot of artificial stuff, which is very good and very pleasant. Hey, and it's not just the uh, snowboarding royalty that we like to hear from on this podcast. No, we like to hear from you too. You can send us your most embarrassing winter sports tales by emailing theatprepod at gmail.com. Hey, and if you've loved this as well, then you know what to do. Just hit subscribe and uh, our brand new episodes will be hitting your device every single week. And, of course, you'll be able to find out loads more things, news, and get a sneaky peek as to next week's guest. Uh, it's all over at at the Apre Pod. Did that even make sense? Didn't make sense as it came out of my mouth, but I knew what I was saying. It kind of did. Thanks again to Jamie Nichols. Uh, what a lovely, lovely man. I'll say it again. Thanks to you, Tim. Thanks, man. Oh. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank Ollie, you. Thanks yes. to you too, bro. Cheers, man. And thanks to our producer, Matt Hill, at Rethink Audio. See you on the slopes next week. Oh.